Become our friend on Facebook. Post on our wall your thoughts about our shows and network. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaHealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Autism One, a conversation of hope. Brought to you by Enzymedica with host Terry Aranga and Kristen Selby-Gonzalez. All comments, views, and opinions expressed are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. In the next hour, Terry and her guest illuminate how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Through education and conversation, there is hope. Here are your hosts, Terry and Kristen. Hi, everyone. This is Kristen Selby-Gonzalez, and I will be hosting this week. Terry will be back next week. Um, very excited to bring our guests back. Um, I had them on um, the week before last, and um, they're back to talk about ways we can help our kids today. So who am I talking about? Well, I'm talking about Nicole Birkins, who is actually, if you didn't know, um, she won the Autism One Awards Best Therapist this year. And I have Kathy Darrow, who was also on with us a uh, week before last, who was nominated for Inspirational Parent and um, is also an RDI consultant. So, hi, guys. Thanks for coming back. Hi, Kristen. Hi. Thanks for having us back. Oh, I just think last time when we were talking, there was just so much we didn't cover. And before we jump in, um, if you guys missed the show that they were on, please um, look in the archives because it's there. Um, you can talk, they were talking all about the foundation of RDI and really explain um, what RDI meant and what it was. Uh, today we're really going to just jump into techniques that we can uh, really implement at home and ways that we can help our kiddos today. But before we do that, can you guys just give a brief, um, we'll start with Nicole, give a brief description of who you are, um, why you're so passionate about what you're doing, and um, just give a, you know, your information how they can find you? Sure, absolutely. Well, hi, everybody. It's great to be back with you again today. Um, as Kristen said, my name is Nicole Birkins, and I am um, a limited licensed psychologist here in Michigan. I'm also the founder and director of the Horizons Developmental Remediation Center. And I started out my career actually as a special education teacher, but quickly found that I could really have more impact in working with families, particularly parents of kids with autism and related disorders. Um, even though I could make an impact in the schools, by working with parents, I really just found that um, that was a much more powerful way to help move kids forward. So for the last 10 years, I've been in private practice and have a clinic here with um, nine colleagues, and we really specialize in um, getting down to the root issues that are there for kids who have not only autism spectrum disorders, but sort of the wider range of neurodevelopmental um, disorders. So uh, really excited to be here with you today to talk more about um, developmental approaches, particularly RDI um, types of strategies uh, for autism and related issues. Very, very exciting. I'm excited. I can't wait because, 
you know, if the listeners are listening, many of you know I have a little boy with autism, and every time I talk to any of our guests, I swear, I feel I learn more and more and more, so I can't wait to dive in and hear all your uh, great, uh, you know, strategies that you're willing to offer us. So Awesome. And then, Kathy, um, can you give a little bit about you? Sure. I'm so excited to be back. Um, I am Kathy Darrow, and I have four children. Two children were diagnosed on the spectrum. I was sort of thrown into the world of autism 12 years ago when my second son was diagnosed, and then I had another son diagnosed after that. Um, So, you know, we did a lot of mainstream things, and then I I personally found RDI probably about six or seven years ago and started implementing much of the strategies that we're going to talk about today. And fortunately, both my children were successful in remediating their autism. They're doing great. And because of that success, my passion was to then turn around and help other families, you know, get that same success to help their children kind of reach their potential. So I've been, you know, doing that for a few years and I'm also the founder of Autism Remediation for Our Children. I have a um, Yahoo group if anybody wants to join that. And also my website is www.autismremediationforourchildren.com. And I'm looking forward to today's show. Very, very cool. Well, I know that um, I had a couple of questions come in um, where I, I thought we had answered some of them. But again, you know, RDI, even though it's been around for a while, people are still they still want to know more about it because we keep hearing that people are doing it and their kids are seeming to really, um, really, you know, take hold of it and do well on this uh, therapy. But a lot of people were asking me, a couple of questions I got was, what happens with a child um, depending on if they are on the lower part of the spectrum, meaning they're not talking, they're not looking? Would this be a particular therapy for them that you would recommend? Yeah, you know, one of the interesting things that I think has happened over the years is somewhere along the line, RDI sort of got put in this box of being something that you did after you do other things. So it's sort of like, you know, you do other treatments and then you do RDI as sort of a social skills intervention, you know, towards the end of treatment. And really that is couldn't be farther from the truth and is quite backwards um, in terms of how I would sequence therapy for kids. You know, it's important to remember that RDI is based on the, uh, the, the path of typical child development. And so for children who aren't yet speaking or um, I think the other thing that was mentioned in the question was, you know, attending or having eye gaze or those kinds of things, those are some of the first things that are worked on in an RDI program because those are some of the foundations for typical development. So really, in my opinion, um, RDI, a developmental-based model like this, is what needs to come first regardless of the functioning level of the child because if a child is on the spectrum, they lack some of those foundational early developmental milestones, and, and that's what we work on um, through RDI. Okay, And I can speak to that on a personal level because my second child, my second son was actually diagnosed before his second birthday with severe infantile autism. Wow. He was what everyone would consider low-functioning, and he didn't respond to anything. He didn't respond to any of the mainstream therapies that I tried. It was, it, I, I came to the conclusion rather quickly that, he, he, you know, I was kind of stumped with what to do with him. And when I learned about RDI, we actually started implementing some of these strategies, and we saw a huge difference within two weeks. And then I started RDI and, and started working with him. And, you know, he's 
today he his autism is remediated, and he was severe infantile autism. You know, my older son was diagnosed TBD, so they considered him, you know, mild. But RDI, you know, like Nicole was saying, getting a child back on their developmental track is for every child, no matter how severe, you know, the doctors say they are or the severity that society says they are. It definitely works for every child. My son was nonverbal, and I was told, you know, that he would probably never talk, and he talks fine. He And what's interesting, I wanted to make a point, is what's really interesting is because I worked on my son's nonverbal communication first, and I wasn't trying to get him to talk, when he started talking, he his language was functional. His language was emotion-sharing language. It wasn't scripting. So what happened was he started talking after his developmental milestones were being filled in. So it was, it was quite amazing. You had mentioned, um, Kathy, that you said he's remediated. What exactly does that mean? Can you define that to our listeners? Sure. Remediation just means that autism is no longer an obstacle. I mean, I could say the word recovery, but I, I don't know. I think that's kind of thrown around a lot today. And so I like the fact that remediation just kind of talks about that autism's not going to be an obstacle in his life anymore. You know, does he still have autism? You know, I don't know. I, I think that autism is a part of who he is. You know, so I never want to just try to get rid of autism, but I do want to just say that that's not going to be an obstacle in his life. It's not an obstacle in our family life. You know, we can go wherever we want to go. You know, we went to the fireworks last night. You know, we had a great time. You know, when you look at my sons, you don't say, oh, they have autism. They're not defined by autism, even though, you know, they were diagnosed. And, and I have no problem understanding that they have autism, but it's just not an obstacle in their life. Well, I know some people talk about when the diagnosis gets taken off of them, do they still meet criteria for, um, uh, do they still meet criteria in the schools for um, services? No, no. Okay. So, I, I well, my, younger, my younger son is homeschooled. My older son went back to school, and, and he does not meet the criteria. My younger son is homeschooled. I homeschool my younger two sons, my younger two children. I think it's important, though, for the listeners to know that, though. There's, there's, um, and because you're the first two that I've heard people, um, when you guys are talking about remediation, um, I've never heard that term before. I've heard mainstream. I've heard no longer receives, you know, services. Of course, I've heard the word recovery. So I feel like you guys are bringing a new word out there, which um, I think is great, uh, you know, for us to be able to choose from. Um, another question that came in is, my child covers his ears and has um, seems to have a lot of sensory issues. Would RDI be something that could be beneficial for him? Kathy, you want me to take that or you want to take it? Sure. I mean, I think that RDI is beneficial to sound sensitivity at times because RDI works on, you know, the whole functioning of the brain. I think sometimes depending on the reason for the sound sensitivity, I know my own son, it was kind of like I worked with him with RDI for that, and I also used the listening program for that also. And it was a really nice complementary back and forth, you know, brain integration. So, I definitely do think that the reason that our children can hold their ears is because they can feel very competent, incompetent in their situation that they're in. So I, I would say it depends on the reasoning. Is there loud noise or is it, are they just overwhelmed with what's going on, you know, with what's going on? Well, and, and one of the things, too, um, that is a, a big part of the RDI process is for 
consultants to evaluate and identify when there are co-occurring conditions that require other types of interventions. So for the majority of the families, um, you know, that I've worked with who are doing an RDI program, there are also other components to their overall treatment plan um, for things like sensory processing issues and those types of things because, um, you know, the RDI itself, while some of the strategies and things can definitely help the child to cope better, you need to have an integrated plan that incorporates everything that that particular child is going to need. So, um, you know, as Kathy said, depending on the reasoning or the underlying, you know, causes of the sound sensitivity, it may be addressed through using the strategies of, um, of RDI, and it may be something that you have to add a complementary um, intervention to help with that sensitivity. It just really depends on the child. Well, my gosh, I feel like we're jumping into all these questions. It's been, I, I'm so excited. We're only in the first segment, guys, so we have three segments left to go, and I still have this whole list of questions. If you guys have more questions you want to send in while we're on the show, feel free to email me at ksg at enzymedica.com, and we'll try to get to all of them. We'll be back in a moment, you guys. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. The Autism Hope Alliance is dedicated to the recovery of children and adults from autism. The goal of this nonprofit organization is to ignite hope for families facing the diagnosis through education and funding to promote progress today. Diet modification, biomedical intervention, and educational therapy have been shown to be successful tools on the path to recovery. Through these efforts, we believe hope will replace hopelessness. Recovery for our children is a reality. For more information, go to AutismHopeAlliance.org. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tong has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. In the spirit of Have Couch Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with your host, Terry Aranga and Kristen Selby-Gonzalez. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5792. Now back to the program, here are Terry and Kristen. 
Hi, everyone. This is Kristen Selby Gonzalez, and I am hosting this week's show. Terry will be back next week. We are so excited to have our guests back. If you missed the first segment, we've been talking to Nicole Birkins and Kathy Darrow, who are both um, RDI consultants and specialists. Um, this last segment, we were talking about the questions that you guys sent in, wanting to know how to help your kiddos right now, and is, is RDI a good fit? So we're going to just kind of jump back in, you guys, because honestly, there are just so many questions, and I, there's so many people out there that are just so fascinated um, by RDI. You know, one thing um, one of the people asked is, what does RDI stand for? Can one of you guys take that one? Sure. Um, it stands for Relationship Development Intervention. And, you know, the basis of that, again, just, on a, you know, if you could talk about it maybe in two sentences, what is the basis of that? Like, what's the foundation of RDI? The foundation of RDI is restoring the child's guided participation role in relationships. I mean, just real quickly, guided participation, we guide our typical children. It's like a natural, intuitive process. And when autism arrives on the scene and they're not giving us that feedback, that process kind of goes by the wayside only because we don't we, we, we were not getting that feedback. So what RDI does is it, it helps the parents and the child, the entire family, restore that guiding role in the family, and then that way they can bring their child into, you know, the relationship and the interaction again. Okay, and I think that's important, too. We talked about this the last time. If you guys missed their uh, show they were on the week before last, go to the archives. Definitely listen to that because it was a great show. We've got amazing feedback on that show. Um, and, you know, some of the questions that have come in, one of them is my child screams in the car every time we go for a car ride. Um, if I try to take my child to any grocery market, I will not be able to bring him in. Is there anything that RDI can help with with this? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I'm, I'm guessing that probably a lot of the questions that people send in have to do with um, similar kinds of issues, and even the question that was asked right before the break about, you know, the auditory sensitivities and covering the ears. So um, if you don't mind, I'm going to kind of address all of that here a minute by saying that we have to remember that autism is a severe disorder of information um, processing and that these kids are very, very overwhelmed by all of the different types of information coming into their brains at one time. And we know that neurologically, um, these kids are wired to have areas of underconnection in the brain, areas of overconnection. And so we take for granted that we can quickly take in and make sense of the things that are happening around us, the things that people are saying, the things in the environment, the actions that people are taking. We quickly take that in, make sense of it, and figure out how to respond to it. People who have autism, that process of making sense, of making meaning, of making connections from all of the information that's coming in gets really bogged down um, and can result in very slow and disordered processing of information. So a lot of the responses and the reactions that we see in these kids are responses to the overwhelm of not being able to make sense of what's going on. Um, and I say that because it, it leads us to one of the gifts, I think, that RDI provides to parents, which is helping parents understand how to structure things and how to engage with their children in ways that helps minimize 
the stress and the processing overwhelm and helps improve the ability to make sense of what's going on around them. So, you know, would I directly work on, you know, a series of skills or strategies for going into a store or for a kid covering their ears? I might, depending on the situation. But what I'm going to do first is I'm going to help that parent learn some simple tools and strategies through the RDI parent guiding process for how to simplify things for their child to help their child feel more calm, feel more competent and successful, trust their parent as a guide to them, and then that really minimizes a lot of these kinds of responses and reactions that are coming up in the question. So hopefully that's helpful maybe as a big picture framework for people to understand how RDI in a big picture way addresses these things. Can you break that down though for us? Yeah. um, Like you said, you know, really... uh, providing skills for the parents um, and providing guidance for the parents. Can you give maybe an example of what that would look like for the example of the question that we gave? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So one of the things that you all can start trying right away with your kids is being aware of what your typical pace of interaction and communication is with your child and seeing what happens when you slow that down. So what typically happens is the pace of information, the speed of information that's coming into um, the brain is very, very fast. And if you have slow and disordered processing, that can lead to overwhelm and feeling very incompetent and very afraid. And so one of the things that parents can do that helps tremendously is to be aware of slowing down the pace of your actions and communication with your child. So instead of saying things over and over or speaking very quickly or saying things lots of different ways to try to help the child to understand or moving quickly from one thing to the next thing to the next thing, by just slowing down the pace, maybe it's the pace of the schedule for the day or maybe it's the pace of how we're um, you know, going to be walking through the store. Instead of getting 50 things that we need for the whole week, we're just going to go in and get a couple of things to minimize um, that stress level and to just take things kind of slowly. Um, saying something to the child and then pausing and waiting and allowing them time to think about it and respond. You know, we assume that if we say something and the child doesn't respond right away that they either don't care or didn't understand or whatever. But the reality is that when... Um, you're dealing with a person who has processing problems. You need to slow down the pace of how much information you're putting into that brain at a time. And it's amazing what can happen when we as the adults allow ourselves to just slow down and not say things over and over again and just allow some time for the child to take that in and acclimate to that and figure out how they're going to respond to that. So well, that I, slowing down the pacing is a huge one. Well, I think the pause, and I wanted to um, make a comment on that, I have seen that so much with my own son even. Um, and I think people have to understand the definition of pausing because pausing, we think, okay, we ask a question, question, we may wait a second or two, but really there's times where I will pause anywhere from 10 to 30 seconds. Yeah. And if you really think about how long 30 seconds is, if you're at home listening, look at your watch and look at how long 30 seconds is. If you are really to pause for that amount of time, that, is a, that really gives the space and the room for that child to be able to think about it. And as you're talking, um, 
Nicole, I'm thinking of that computer almost. Like when I think of a yep. computer, and sometimes my computer freezes, yep. and I keep hitting the button, and it just makes it worse. Yep. <laughs> and if you know that little hourglass, if I yes. just let the hourglass do its job, yep. it will go to the next application. And I think a lot of times as our children are trying to process, I think if we can think of it as a computer brain, and we just have to stop pushing the button and allow it yep. to go to the next application, I think we'd see such great um, things from our kids. Absolutely. So, you know, in the example that was brought up in the question, I think, what was it about um, going into the store? Mm -hmm. You know, so an example of slowing down the pace there, I mentioned, you know, going in with the expectation of just getting fewer things. Maybe the first expectation is we're just going to calmly, you know, I'm going to wait for my child to feel comfortable taking my hand to step out of the car with me and walk into the store, not going at a time when you're rushed and have to do your weekly shopping, slowing down your own stress by not feeling like I have to get all this accomplished in a short period of time, allowing your child to take the time to feel okay with it, to truly be um, calm with it, to trust you, to guide them in that situation, and just take it slow and not put lots of language and noise into the system. Say what you need to say, but don't overdo it and just allow that to be an experience together that isn't stressful because these kids are in such stressful situations so much of the time. And then we wonder why they do things like, you know, STEM and all that. It's like those are coping mechanisms. They're totally stressed out. And so when we slow the pacing down of things, it really makes a big difference. And I think it's a strategy that almost sounds too simple to people, and they think, well, that can't work. But really it's amazing what you see when, when I can really help parents to look at how they're pacing things, both their communication and their actions with their child, and slow that down, what a huge difference um, that makes. So definitely um, that's something that I would encourage people to try. And what's so great about what Nicole is saying is, you know, our kids are, are so bombarded with us trying to always get them to do something. And, you know, this gives them the opportunity to see that we're waiting for them. We want their input. We want them to share the experience with us. We want them to have a role. You know, we want them to develop that emotional resilience that, you know, sometimes that is so scary for them. And, you know, that's why they stand and have meltdowns and something like that. You know, another strategy that can be put to practice pretty easily is, you know, depending on the severity of the child, is just starting any interaction, just knowing that it's just going to be a brief interaction to kind of highlight the success of the interaction. Because, you know, sometimes these kids don't have a lot of success in any interactions that they're doing. So that's why they kind of turn off, you know, and they see going into the shopping center, like, oh, my gosh, I don't know how to handle this. So, you know, a simple example would be something like um, just sitting down next to your child when they're eating a snack and taking a piece of the snack and taking a bite and looking at your child and saying, hmm, you know, and sharing like 30 seconds of an interaction and then, wow, that was, that was a great snack we shared and then get up and then they're like, wait, you know, I didn't, I wasn't expected to do anything. I wasn't overwhelmed. That was just mom sitting down next to me or dad sitting down next to me sharing an experience with me. And all those little times can build up their emotional resilience. Well, as you're talking, I'm thinking even as a friend, I mean, when we sit down and we have lunch with our friends or um, they come over to our house, everything is about sharing that experience. So I'm even thinking if, like, my girlfriend were to bring over, you know, um, a dish that maybe I'm not used to eating, 
you know, I sit down next to her and I taste that with her. And I, even as you sit there and say, sit next to your child and just say, mmm, those are things that we do in everyday life that we take for granted, I think. Um, That's right. Just building relationships with um, our friends or spouses or whomever. So, again, it looks like to me when you guys are explaining RDI, it's really just trying to explain um, and experience, you know, and sharing the world the way that we're so used to doing it, but doing it at a slower pace. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I am just so excited. I love all of this stuff. I could just talk to you guys for hours. So um, when we get back, um, we will continue off uh, where we left off here. Um, we have so many more questions to answer. And, if, again, if you guys have questions, I see a couple coming through in the inbox. Please email me at ksg at enzymedica.com, and we will try to get to all of them. We'll be back in a moment, guys. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health & Wellness. More and more parents of children affected by autism are discovering enzyme therapy as an important part of their treatment program. Digestive enzymes help to break down the foods which may enhance nutrient absorption. Used therapeutically, enzymes can also support the immune system to break down pathogens such as viruses, fungal forms, and bacteria. Enzyme Medica formulates the highest quality of enzyme supplements to address a wide variety of issues. Lacto, a broad-spectrum digestive enzyme focusing on the complete digestion of milk proteins. Gluten Ease, high in DPP-4 activity, known for its ability to help break down gluten. And Virus Stop, an enzyme formulated to assist in the body eliminating pathogens. Enzyme Medica provides the purest enzyme products, free of fillers, anything artificial, and of all common allergens. We are dedicated to education and helping you find the best products for your children. Learn more today at www.enzymemedica.com. To perform at your maximum potential, you need to have all aspects of your life working properly. On Mind, Brain, and Body, Dr. Michael John Kell will bring you honest, open discussions concerning your physical, mental, and financial health. If you're ready to find purpose and meaning in your life, tune in to Mind, Brain, and Body every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific. Mind, Brain, and Body on Voice America Health and Wellness. Radio dedicated to your health, wealth, wisdom, and purpose. Are you living your vital life? One that is showcasing you at your full potential? There are many issues that stand in the way of most people achieving their full potential. We will discuss these issues and how to overcome them each week on The Vital Life, Awakening Your Full Potential, with host Dr. Carolyn Coker-Ross. Living the vital life often requires that we trust our own intuitive voice and that we view illness or life challenges as calls to action to reconnect with the deeper urges of our spirit or soul. Tune in Fridays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Health & Wellness. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with your host, Terry Aranga, and Kristen Selby-Gonzalez. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here are Terry and Kristen. Hi, everyone. This is Kristen Selby-Gonzalez, and I am hosting this week. Terry will be back next week. We've had the great pleasure of bringing back Nicole Birkins, who won for Best Therapist 
at the Autism One 2011 Awards, and also Kathy Darrow, who was also nominated. Both are RDI specialists and consultants. If you guys missed Autism One, please make sure you go to autismone.org and um, pick up any of the uh, DVDs that are there uh, for sale. Uh, that were any of the presentations that you may have missed, um, I know that um, Nicole had spoke and there was um, some great information there. Also, the award show um, was also, uh, I guess, uh, what they called it, you streamed. So I'm not sure if you can still see that. My guess is you can. But we have just been talking about RDI and about different tools, strategies, and techniques that we can do right now. Many of you guys have sent in some great, great questions. And during commercial break, we were talking and one of the things we were talking about was just really slowing down that pace. And one thing I was thinking about um, during commercial was, you know, it's not about throwing them into the deep end, but really getting them in the kiddie pool first. Would you yeah. guys agree? Yeah. And, and that's, it's so important because that's how we as human beings develop resilience, develop that ability to say, ooh, I can tackle challenges, I can master this next thing and this next thing and this next thing. It's because from birth on, our parents are guiding us through this process of giving us just enough of a challenge that it stretches us, but it doesn't make us feel like we're being thrown in the deep end or thrown over the edge of a cliff. And what happens in autism is these kids end up feeling like they're being thrown in the deep end constantly, and then they develop this sense of pulling away from anything that's new or different or a challenge because they haven't had that experience experience of being able to tackle challenges in a way that helps them feel good about it and helps them be successful. And that certainly isn't the fault of parents. We are raising these kids the way that we raise the rest of our kids, but because of how their brains and bodies work, they perceive everything um, as being so much more um, of a challenge and so much more difficult um, than neurotypical kids. And so they need this slower process of helping them to tackle small increments of things at a time so they can build that sense of personal competence, that sense of, ooh, I'm kind of interested in that next level of challenge. I can do it. And that's one of the core things that through an RDI program we work on right away with kids and parents is helping not only the kids but also helping parents to feel successful in interactions and experiences with their kids. Um, I can't speak to this from personal experience because none of my four personal children are on the spectrum, but Kristen and Kathy, I'm sure that you can speak to this, that sense of um, feeling incompetent as a parent when you're just not sure how to handle that or how to best support your child. Um, and, and that's one of the things that I think RDI does so beautifully is helping parents reclaim that sense of intuitiveness as a parent and the sense of I can um, navigate these waters with my child. I do have the ability to help my child be successful, and that in turn helps parents feel more successful. At, at least it, in my experience, that, that's what I've seen. Now, Kathy, you've probably had the same experience. I'm sure many listeners have um, that um, we've been in the store, or the market with our child, and you know, children with autism typically don't look any different than a neurotypical child. Um, the behavior is what we see as the difference, but their manner, their, their facial, the way they look. Um, I mean, I know many of us in the autism community, we've heard that it's been deemed almost the beauty um, disorder or whatever, right? Because right, so right. Many, so many, and I don't know why this is, and not to say that not all children with everything aren't gorgeous, but for some unique reason, a lot of children on the autism spectrum are just absolutely stunning. Well, I know my son. I know, I'm biased, so of course mine is too, right? But um, 
you know, what will be in the market, and this isn't, think, thankfully this doesn't happen anymore, but I'm sure this has probably happened to many people, and probably I'm wondering if it's happened to you as well, Kathy, back in the day, um, you know, where my child would be having, quote, unquote, which I don't like using the word meltdown because I know my child is trying to make sense of a world that doesn't make sense to him, but to the outsiders, that's what it looks like, right? He's right. having a meltdown. And, you know, I've had the parents come up to me and say, if that was my kid, I'd be taking him out and doing X, Y, and Z, or, wow, right. what kind of parent are you, or the looks or the sneers, because they're thinking that my child is neurotypical and that I'm no longer a good parent because I don't know how to handle that situation. So right. has that ever happened to you, Kathy? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And what is so wonderful, because when I discovered RDI, it was, I was in the midst of it happening, and what I loved about the program was that it helped first with me, like Nicole was saying. It helped me with my attitude. It helped me with understanding my incompetence. And, and when I could, I could work on me and how I can be successful, then I can transfer that to my child and how he can be successful. You know, if you think about how we all feel successful, it's those little memories of, of, resilience and success that build upon each other, and that memory makes us want to step out and do more. Even if you think about a baby, you know, when, they, when they're trying to walk and they fall down, they get back up again. That's, that's resilience. So, yes, it definitely happened to me, and I, you know, I, through the RDI program, I was able to work on, you know, a lot of things that I was struggling with personally, and then I could turn it around and help my own child you know, build up their resistance. And with many of the strategies, you know, that we already talked about and just by being able to help him feel secure in that I'm not going to, you know, throw him over the ledge or I'm not going to, you know, overwhelm him. You know, a lot of times what I would do is things like you maybe just take him to the mall for a small amount of time if, you know, because the mall was his big thing. My son's big thing was if we went to the mall, and I started walking, and I didn't walk a specific way, you know, he would just totally lose it because he, his brain was very static. He wanted everything going a certain way. So if that didn't happen, he didn't know how to handle it. And so, you know, working with him in that aspect and also when he's home, doing things to just help him understand that he can be resilient. I mean, it's crucial. I mean, sure, it's great to do things when he's at the mall, but it really starts at home in those little moments of him feeling, I had to make him feel successful in, in those little moments so that he could remember that success and then transfer it to those bigger things like going to the store or going to the mall. Well, you guys had brought up um, fight or flight, and I think a lot of families, if you don't know what fight or flight is, um, is basically, um, well, actually, I can define it, but do you want to define it, Nicole? Well, the, the fight-or-flight response is a very normal human response Absolutely. to when we feel like we're being challenged or stressed beyond what we can manage. You know, it kind of harkens back to those caveman days when, you know, <laughs> the bear is chasing you and you go into this uh, fight-or-flight right. mode of I'm either going to stay and fight the bear or I'm going to take off running. And it's a response of our sympathetic nervous system in our body that when we feel that sense of anxiety or stress come up, um, that we either go into a fight-or-flight kind of mode. And I look at a lot of the kids on the spectrum that I treat here in my practice and many of them are used to living in that fight-or-flight mode almost all the time. 
Well, um, and think about the digestive system and yes. think about um, what's happening in, in their bodies. I mean, so many of our children are on special diets and they're in biomedical treatments. And if you're constantly in fight or flight mode, think about what's happening. I mean, think about when Hanako just described it as the listeners are listening. If you're in constant state of arousal or you're thinking you're constantly going to be attacked and when I think of fight or flight mode, too, an analogy I think about is I'm walking down a dark alley, right? Yep. And the little back, the little um, hairs in the back of my neck kind of come up a little bit. Well, imagine at that moment if I were to eat a you know a three to four course meal, how my stomach may handle that? <laughs> Probably wouldn't handle it so well. But yet here we are trying to give our children these diets and these supplements, and we're wondering why sometimes they aren't having the most optimal results when it comes to that. And you know, I'm constantly reminding our own people here that help with our son, um, you know, constantly don't challenge while they're eating, really keeping it a really minimal, you know, really easy experience and a fun, great experience because I want that digestive system right. to do well. And I'm thinking about these parents, the questions I get about digestion, the questions I get about, you know, why are the supplements not doing what I think they should be doing. I really think the foundation of everything is just helping get that child to be calm and having that as a as the first experience. How do you guys do? How do you feel about that? Yes, I mean absolutely, and I'm so glad you brought that up because these strategies have to work together. When you're mm-hmm. just treating from a brain level or just treating from a body level, you're not going to get optimal results. There's a combination there that has to be dealt with. That yeah, you can be using all of the best diets and supplements and other um, you know medical and, and physiological treatments in the world, but if the body is in a constant state of over-arousal because the brain's constantly kicking into that um, state of stress and is perpetually there, you're going to have a problem. And, and the body is not meant to stay in that place of sympathetic nervous system over-arousal. Um, and when the, the child is in that state all the time, you do get a breakdown of not only digestive processes but other important um, physiological processes. And so it's really no wonder that so many of these kids have such a wide array of issues going on um, simply because of the, the stress factor and, and everything that that does. So it, it's a really important point about being able to slow down both in a very tangible way, moment to moment with your child, but also in a big picture way of just slowing things down even for yourself and reducing the stress level. I honestly think that one of the most um, fundamental and important strategies I teach parents is to stay calm in the midst of situations that feel very not calm. Um, a lot of the parents that I see are very... Um, almost as, as uh, wound tightly and, and stressed all the time as their child is, and that's a natural response to having a child who has all of these needs. But the beautiful thing that happens when we can help parents to unwind and, and de-stress and really be able to stay in a place of physiological and emotional calm, that has a beautiful impact on the child's ability to do the same thing. And I always tell parents that a stressed System, a stressed brain cannot learn effectively. So we have to do everything we can to help these kids get out of that place of chronic stress so that their brains can be open and available for new learning. Well, and I think that's for neurotypical kids or, yes. um, you know, our children on the spectrum because it's, a, it's how we feel as parents. And, um, gosh, this is this show has flown by. I mean, I don't think we're going to get through all these questions. Um, I can't wait uh, when we come back. We're going to just dive in as many more as we can. Um, I'm looking at my email box and more coming through, guys. 
So if you have a question, Great. this is your last time to get it in. KSG at Enzymedica, and we'll be back at a mom- in a moment. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. More and more parents of children affected by autism are discovering enzyme therapy as an important part of their treatment program. Digestive enzymes help to break down the foods which may enhance nutrient absorption. Used therapeutically, enzymes can also support the immune system to break down pathogens such as viruses, fungal forms, and bacteria. Enzyme Medica formulates the highest quality of enzyme supplements to address a wide variety of issues. Lacto, a broad-spectrum digestive enzyme focusing on the complete digestion of milk proteins. Gluten Ease, high in DPP-4 activity, known for its ability to help break down gluten. And Virus Stop, an enzyme formulated to assist in the body eliminating pathogens. Enzyme Medica provides the purest enzyme products, free of fillers, anything artificial, and of all common allergens. We are dedicated to education and helping you find the best products for your children. Learn more today at www.enzymemedica.com Ask Theo Live is talk radio like you've never heard before. Following her near-death experience, world-renowned author and spiritual medium Sheila Gillette became the direct voice channel for Theo, a consortium of 12 archangels. Through this unique channel, Sheila and her co-host Marcus Gillette present you with an opportunity to speak directly with Theo live on air on any topic you wish to discuss, including receiving authentic messages from deceased loved ones and angelic guides. Get the answer you need by tuning in to Ask Theo Live Talk Radio. Tuesday mornings at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. The Autism Hope Alliance is dedicated to the recovery of children and adults from autism. The goal of this nonprofit organization is to ignite hope for families facing the diagnosis through education and funding to promote progress today. Diet modification, biomedical intervention, and educational therapy have been shown to be successful tools on the path to recovery. Through these efforts, we believe hope will replace hopelessness. Recovery for our children is a reality. For more information, go to AutismHopeAlliance.org. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with your host, Terry Aranga and Kristen Selby Gonzalez. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 1 866 472 5792. Now back to the program. Here are Terry and Kristen. Hi, everyone. This is Kristen Selby-Gonzalez, and I'm hosting this week. Terry will be back next week. Um, before we jump back into what we've been talking about with RDI, I want to make sure you guys go to autismone.org and check out um, the, uh, the DVDs that are there from the Autism One Conference. I know Nicole Birkins was one of the speakers and uh, did a great presentation on RDI. Uh, Nicole Birkins and uh, Kathy Darrow have been joining us this last hour talking about different strategies, tools, and techniques. Um, we have been getting bombarded with questions, which is great. So during commercial break, I told them they have to come back in August because we want to make sure we can get through as many of these as possible. Um, and so, guys, just check out um, Facebook. Um, go to Kristen Selby Gonzalez. I'll be posting it there. You can also make sure to go to the Voice America uh, health and wellness channel of the show, and it will always be posted there as well. Um, before we jump back into the questions, guys, if you guys can 
uh, talk about oh, real quickly where they can find your websites again, just in case they missed it in the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say, too, the presentation that I did at Autism One was actually on processing issues and um, simple strategies that parents can implement right away uh, to address those. So for people who want to get more in-depth on what we're talking about on this call, they might want to purchase the, the recording of that session um, on the Autism One website. Um, and, and my website that you can go to to get more information, and actually um, we've got a free video series on there of strategies for parents and professionals, you can go to autismtransformation.com. Um, and sign up there to get the video series and uh, our weekly newsletter and other things. And Kathy, how do they find you? Okay, they can find me. I'm at autismremediationforourchildren.com. And also I have a Yahoo group that I um, created, oh, about six years ago. It has over 700 people on it, and so they can come on that Yahoo group and ask questions, and, and there's plenty of consultants on there from all around the world to answer those questions. I'm on there, too, and that is just autism remediation for our children at yahoogroups.com. And I think um, it's important for the listeners to know that you guys um, travel all over the world, um, and so it doesn't matter if you guys live in Michigan or New Jersey or California or wherever. Right. Um, you That's guys right. travel all over the world, and you guys help um, and no matter where the location, no matter where the age, and no matter where they are on the spectrum, correct? That's right. Yes, I think that is just really important. Well, my gosh, I'm trying to go through these questions. I'm trying to figure out which ones that might be mo They're all useful and helpful, um, but uh, which ones we're getting the most of. Um, the one question I'm getting right now, or actually there's a kind of a cluster of them, um, when the children are hyperactive um, and they're overly excited, um, how can that help? How can RDI help with that? So my guess is what they're probably asking is when, and I've seen a lot of children do this, um, when they're out, they seem to be connected, but they get so overly excited, right, um, that maybe they start to either hit. Um, and, again, they're not trying to hit to hurt somebody, but they don't know how to control their bodies because they're trying to process it in a particular way. Mm -hmm. How can RDI help with that? So it's not always meltdowns in a sense. It also could be that they're overly excited. Sure, and I think that RDI can do a lot for helping that child to remember that their interaction is about the togetherness, about the, you know, parent and the child, and not so much about them going all over the place. You know, they're, they're not able to concentrate because they're not understanding that, that piece of the relationship. And so what I would suggest, um, what I suggest with my families, what I've done with my own children, is to learn how to spotlight a, a specific memory that has to do with the relationship piece and whatever you're doing. You know, for example, I mean, I know we talked about slowing down and, you know, pausing. And another thing we could do is alter our tone when we're, when we're doing something like, ooh, or wow. But, you know, I wanted to give you an example that um, your listeners could put to practice. You know, I know that there was a lot of times that I would bake with my children, and this is a really good opportunity. So, for example, if you're making cookies and you want to help your child to share that moment, of making cookies, you're not going to want your child to go through the whole process of making cookies because that's going to be way too overwhelming for them, and they're going to start getting really hyper because they don't know what to expect next, and they don't know what you want them to do. And so to decrease that and to help them feel confident and build up their resilience, you're just going to take a small portion of that cookie-making experience. So say, for example, taking the cookie dough in the spoon and dropping it onto the stone or the cookie sheet. And, you know, 
looking at each other and, wow, you know, this may be all they can handle at first. And so, you know, if you do that, if you're slowing the pace down and you're, you know, pausing and you're watching that simple activity of the cookie dough dropping, but you're really in there helping them to understand that it's not about the cookie dough, it's not about the task, it's about you and them and doing it together, they're going to more likely, you know, look at you and remember that that resilience that, you know, they're going to have that memory to be like, wow, you know, it's about me and mom or it's about me and dad and it's their discovery. And, you know, when you say something like, wow, and, and they watch the cookie dough drop and then you say, we did it together, you know, that's their processing their own discovery. And those little moments of success build up, build up so that they're, they're not all hyper because they're not unsure what to expect next. They know, again, like we were talking, that you're not going to throw them under the bus, that you know what they can handle, and you're only going to give them a small challenge at a time. Now, would you, um, would you explain to them what's going on in their bodies? Like, would you give them an alternative? I'm thinking of my own son. When he gets ha- hyperactive in that way, I usually just, especially if we're out, like, you know, um, in the real world, not at our home, um, if he starts to get hyperactive, I explain to him, you know, take a deep breath. I give him an alternative so that he doesn't hit me. Or um, sometimes he chin pushes, so I might tell him, you know, sweetheart, you know, we, this is where we're at. And I really explain to him what we're doing, and I, I do slow down and explain to him that our bodies sometimes get really, really excited, and I give him the alternative, take a deep breath, count to three, you know, that kind of thing. Would that be something on the, on the I guess, the foundation of RDI? I have no idea because oh, I don't do absolutely, RDI. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that something like you're explaining, what's really helpful is, you know, your son, if he's... Ch- Chin butting you, is that what you said? Chin, chin pushing is what we call it. Chin yeah. pushing. And again, I'm trying um, to give an alternative versus saying no. So he's doing it for a reason, I believe. So I'm trying to give an alternative to whatever he's doing to, make, to help him take care of his body. Exactly, exactly. So, no, those are all great strategies. What I would also recommend adding to that is, you know, he he's not understanding how you're feeling. And when, if you if you think about it, you think in your mind when he does that, when he's starting to do something that you're, you're thinking, oh, he, you know, this is upsetting, I, I, you know, this is going to hurt me, and then you kind of start talking to him, and you're saying, you know, please don't do that, or, you know, take a deep breath, but what you could do is you could model for him with some kind of like thinking out loud, like, oh, that's going to really hurt me, you know, and he needs to understand that you're thinking about his actions, that, that you have thoughts that you're trying to process as he's doing something to you. And so that's going to help him understand that, you know, you have perspective, he has perspective. You know, as adults and even children, we don't do things to other people because we understand that they have a perspective. So what you want to help your son to do is help him to understand that you have a perspective. And, for, you know, one of the strategies to do that anyway is to, to have your thoughts think out loud so that he can understand that you're thinking. Well, one of the reasons I was asking the question, too, was would RDI, would that fall um, in a sense of, you know, instead of taking something away, because as you guys were saying, even they're trying to process, they're trying to make sense of a world, um, would you guys then give um, an alternative to that, um, you know, for them? Yes, and help spotlight for them that they are frustrated and upset right. and and help guide them for how best to manage that. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, my gosh, this hour went by so fast. It did. 
<laughs> I feel like we just started. So, guys, they will be back in August. I can't wait to have you guys back. I mean, literally, we have pages of questions at this point. Um, so excited to learn more about RDI. Check out their websites, guys. Um, Terry Orango will be back next week. Uh, make sure to follow me on Twitter at KSelbyGonzalez. And also, um, for updates on any of the shows or anything we're doing, go to Facebook at Kristen Selby Gonzalez. Thanks to everyone who's listening. And remember, progress for one of our kiddos provides hope for all. Until next time. Bye, guys. Enza Medica would like to thank you for listening to Autism One, a conversation of hope. For more information, go to autismone.org. Tune in next Tuesday for another hour of education and conversation on Autism One, a conversation of hope with host Terry Aranga and Kristen Selby-Gonzalez.